Good morning, everyone. How you guys doing? Welcome to Matt for Breakfast. And pressing on, get to what I figured get into some of the Psalms of David after he fallen greatly with Bathsheba. And we'll be looking at one of the passages in the Bible, John 3.16, and following. But in the meantime, temperature 79. And the windows open last night. It was beautiful. Got down nice and cool, down into the 70s last night. And our humidity is hovering a pretty high, 82%. But let me tell you, when hey, June, July, it's like 99%. It feels like every day. So let's look at this day trivia and see what's what's happening. Hmm. The Terminator arrives on this day, 1984. According to the 1984 action classic movie, The Terminator, The Terminator arrives... Back in 1984, from the year 2029, to kill Sarah Connor. Pope John Paul II is shot on this day in 1981. Escaped Turkish terrorist uh, shoots John Paul II in uh, St. Peter's Square in the Vatican. He struck four times, uh, apprehended and sentenced to life in prison. Pope forgave him. Winston Churchill said on this day, declares in the House of Commons, I have... Nothing to offer but blood and toil and tears and sweat. Famous saying, Winston Churchill. First werewolf movie, May 13, 1935. Werewolf of London is released. It's the first werewolf film by Hollywood Studio. All right, first U.S. airmail stamps, May 13, 1918. 24-cent stamp denomination picturing a Curtis Jenny biplane, biplane is used. He's included the infamous inverted Jenny upside down biplane stamp uh, because it was accidentally printed upside down. The stamps were for use with a newly created in New York route. 24 cents in 1918? That seems really expensive. Hmm. Our Lady of Fatima. Children see the Virgin Mary reportedly. There's a lot to that story. May 13th, 1917. The three shepherd children claimed to have seen the Virgin Mary in Fatima, Portugal. She was brighter than the sun, shielding the rays of light, and blah, 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 blah. Well, I, you need to do your research. I was in Portugal very close to Fatima in some, for a few days in, in a town. I met a lot of people on their way to ministry to the, to the pilgrims going there. And when you look into the story of it, it was more like a weird demon creature than appeared to these uh, kids. But when the uh, priest found out about it, went to him, told them to tell him. He kind of told them that what they thought. He reinterpreted it them. Like I say, check out the good Christian documentaries on it. There's some interesting information. World War II, Germany surrenders North Africa. Hmm. German and Italian troops in North Africa surrender effort to Gaff Empire. There you go. Well, that's enough of that. Now, I forgot. That joke's ready, but let me see if I... I had some in reserve over here. So let's let's try let's try one of the new jokes, bad jokes, since I tend to like those, and see what this one says. A man sees a shooting star. Oh, how nice! I can make a wish. I want a woman who knows what she wants. The shooting star pauses briefly and then turns around. Oh, that's bad. Um, do you know what were my Grandpa's last words before he kicked the bucket, his last words, were, 
how far do you think I can kick this bucket here? That's a really bad dungeon. All right, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And we will move on into the reading for today. So we're not in Second Samuel today. We are in Psalms. And I think it'll make sense once we read it. So, Father God, thank you for blessing us with your word. And we now ask that you help us turn our attention fully to the things that you want to show us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 32, how blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord's loving kindness shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. This, in, con in context, chronologically, would have been written after his sin with Bathsheba. And we see this sincere heart of confession, repentance, sorrow. I was just, it could not keep it in. It was like a fever burning within him. He knew he had done wrong, but he hid it. And it took another brother, we could say, to flush it out of him, to get it out of him, to get him to admit it. I think I'm getting the cold. We'll find out. <laughs> Pray. But anyway, the... Um, the amazing thing that we find out in the body of Christ that, number one, we are to confess our sins one to another, but it often takes someone else that God is speaking to to come help you confess it before God. It's actually a very good, loving brother or sister who will do that, saying, you know, I've been noticing this is going on in your life. I've noticed this pattern. I've noticed this has been going on in your life. Maybe I'm reading this wrong, but are you doing something that's not right, sinful? And often that person, or many times that person, can just break down and say, yeah, no, I'm busted, yes. Because sometimes we don't know how to dig ourselves out of our own pits that we've gotten ourselves into. And, um, and David came and was able to confess it there before the Lord. It's really serious sins, right? But he, after this, he knows that he can even rejoice 
and he could be restored. It's a quite an amazing work of grace that we see that God does here in the life of David. Psalm 51, one of the more famous psalms of David, he can write sinner's prayer for pardon. For the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. Verse 1. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the innermost part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness, O Lord. Open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I will give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to thine. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. As we mentioned, this is him after his sin. And he is praying for God to deliver him from blood guiltiness, which he was guilty of. According to the law, by the blood of one man that you shed, shall your blood be shed. He was condemned under the law to be killed. And even for either one of the offenses, for adultery or for the murder of Uriah. Yet he cries out, and he understands that God is not needing an animal sacrifice. What he's looking for is brokenness. And this always amazed me. Give me one sec. This has always amazed me that that um, God is a God that is constantly looking inward and knows the condition of our heart and our mind. And you wouldn't think that those kinds of things would be that important to God. We're in, in the judicial system, you know, it's all about the facts. Although... Remorse does play into it sometimes on these judgments from the courts. So there is there is something there that the courts, I think, take from the Bible and take from Psalms. That if a person is true, sorry, it shows they have a moral compass that's still accurate, that they have something left in the, that can be f- useful in the world, that they're not a total risk to the world. But here, 
before God. He's completely broken. And this is the only reason that makes any sense why God did not kill him. Because God had put it, he had a sentence of death on his life because of the law. But God says, because he has now asked for forgiveness and repented in his heart, I will forgive him. The clear, beautiful New Testament principle of what we find here that we're going to read in John. That if we come believing that Jesus died, accepting what he did on the cross, we can receive that same grace and that same mercy. So now John 3.16 through the rest of the chapter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe is judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For anyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Verse 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judah, and there he was spending time with them and baptizing. John also was baptizing in and on near Salim, because there was much water there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown in prison. Therefore there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have come sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, of that he testifies. And no one receives testimony. He who received his testimony has set his seal to this. God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son, and he has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. What's fascinating to me is that John knew Jesus' earthly father. They were cousins. They had some encounters, especially at Passover, family times, sharing meals. So he grew up with him and knew his family. 
Yet here he said he is from heaven, and God, Yahweh, is his father. This was a supernatural revelation and realization, most likely when the dove came down and he heard God say, this is my beloved son, that would have done it for me. And he says, wow, wait a minute. I grew up with him, I knew him. But he would have reflected on it, just like the apostles after the resurrection, where their eyes are open. I'm sure his eyes were open. He would have thought back and said, wait a minute, you know, he's the one person that I realized my entire life never did anything wrong. He was completely surrendered to God. He was completely compassionate and kind. And and obviously knew the word of God and spoke of it and spoke of his probably spoke of his of God as his father when he was young. Who knows? But um maybe not. Some people think that was all veiled. But it is quite astounding that John is affirming Christ's position as the only truth, the only way, the only life. And um, it's a beautiful chapter. It's the pivotal chapter in the New Testament for just about all of us, where we realize that, well, if we believe in the Son and obey obey the Son, we believe what he did on the cross, we now have life. Same as David, the sentence of death has passed over us. We've passed from judgment of the law over our sin, which demands death, to forgiveness and his mercy and the grace, which is getting what we don't deserve, um, his his sonship coming into his kingdom, it is, it is the heart of the gospel there in John. Okay, Charles Spurgeon, and I will give him the morning star, Revelation 2.28. Until the daybreak and the shadows flee away, what a blessing it is to see in Jesus the morning star. I remember when we read in the newspaper the idle tale that the star of Bethlehem had again appeared. We found that it was only the morning star, but no great mistake had been made after all. It is best to see Jesus as the sun, but when we cannot do so, the next best thing is to see him as the star which prophesies the day and shows that the eternal light is near at hand. If I am not today all that I hope to be, yet I see Jesus, and that assures me that I shall one day be like him. A sight of Jesus by faith is the pledge of beholding him in his glory and being transformed into his image. If I have not at this hour all the light and joy I could desire, yet I shall have it for. As surely as I see the morning star, I shall see the day. The morning star is never far from the sun. Come, my soul, has the Lord given thee the morning star? Doth thou hold fast that truth, grace, hope, and love which the Lord has given thee? Then in this thou hast drawn of coming glory. He that makes thee overcome evil and persevere in righteousness has therein given thee the morning star. And I have been seeing the star recently on the horizon as I in the morning and notice that it is bright on the horizon there. It's there to remind us of what I'm saying, to remind us of the presence of Jesus in our life. It's a beautiful thing that God is light, that his son is the light, that if we come to him, 
that all the darkness will be expelled from our lives and that his light will illuminate us and live within us and he guides us as the morning star. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for coming and bringing us together. We do ask you to continue to help us as we look into the truths to gain understanding and certainly, God, to take advantage of the knowledge that David had about repentance, about brokenness, about how you can forgive anything and bring us back in the right, right relationship and even to the point of rejoicing and being glad and knowing that you can overcome our, our very flesh. So much of us need to remember that and learn from it and, and do it because of our wandering hearts and our propensity to sin because we love the darkness rather than the light in our core beings and our fallen nature. But we thank, thank you that you bring in the light, that you overwhelm us with your love and that you guide us and show us and help us to be more like you and less like ourselves. So praise you for that. And in that line, Father, we line of thinking, we pray for the women's brunch today. That'll be happening in a few hours. That you bless it and help all of these women come to have that in that time of fellowship. Come to that realization. Come to the realization of, of spiritual growth that comes through humility, honesty, openness, that they might be open one to another. Help anyone that's dealing with specific issues that needs need to do what David did is simply them to be free from it and come under your your mercy and your grace we desire to be real before you god and not have social events where we're all not not being open and honest about what what's going on in life so minister god may your spirit move these women and have great fellowship great food to help renee and claudia and this baby with all the all of the preparations and everything they need to be doing god and are doing right now get ready for this so we thank you for that and we just pray that you bring all the right women that want to be here god that you would bring them thank you for that thank you for those that are getting better that are healing we're thanking you for their great things you're doing in their lives many people that are, have had issues for a long time and we're seeing those things turn around thank you for um Penny and her husband Chris that visited the church that have a, that have an ongoing ministry with youth and are doing wonderful things. God, all over the world now through a new ministry they're running, helping youth come into a deeper discipleship and knowledge of you. So bless their ministry abundantly in all that they do. And may God you bring us back in the future with them to maybe have future contact and, and ministry together. And, and for all those that are coming down to help us with so many projects, um, we thank you for them. So, bless Pastor Britt coming down to teach. Uh, bless God, get ready for that and a trip out of here next week, at the end of next week. We put all these things before you, God, for your for your um, guidance as we need you to show us, God, how to continue on to be ministering in this community. So, thank you for today. Thank you for what you're going to do tomorrow. We lift up the service. I ask you to bless it abundantly, God, and may your word go out in strength to transform, bring people to a deeper knowledge of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. There we are. So thank you, guys. We do have to get going uh, pretty quick on this women's brunch. And so I've got to squeeze in tomorrow's on the audio podcast as best I can. So I will look for some time to squeeze that in this afternoon. And we will, um, if nothing else, see you tomorrow live at 9 o'clock here, our time. Look forward to it. Moving on in Revelation, so don't want to miss it. So God bless you all. 
We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word.